go. Here we go. Welcome to the exchange. QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your boy Vince. On today's pod, we will speak of the brilliance of LeBron James winning his fourth title and also claiming his fourth finals MVP, but with three different teams. That is unprecedented. We speak about the Lakers' 17 titles and what they might have to do in the offseason, and we discussed a couple rumors throughout the association. Then we switch over to football. Kansas City, Coach T apologizes, being a little presumptuous with the 16-0 shot that he called last week. Cleveland, it took us a while to get to you, but we did. Dog pound. We represent y'all. We talk a little bit about the Browns, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and what we would like to see going forward from them. Bills Mafia, I give you love because of the fact that your team is doing very well. We talk about a little bit about Josh Allen, and we discuss what it's going to take for some of these other teams to get into that upper echelon. And of course, it's never a pod without Coach T talking about Tar Heel Nation. So kick back and enjoy. All right, guys, it's Tuesday. You know what it is. QP Sports Exchange back on the air. Coach T is with me. Coach T, how was your week, bro? Man, amazing. I know y'all always hear me say the same thing, but, man, to God be the glory, man. I, whether I had a good week or, or a challenging week, man, I'm blessed, bro. So everything is everything is great, man. How, how about you? I had a challenging week. We got a, uh, we got a preteen. So uh, she's uh, – you know, she's going through it a little bit, so we had a little challenging week, but we had some some blessings, but still the call on. So, you know, everything is working out the way it should. I know the feeling. You know, I got two teenagers, bro, so I already know what time it is, man. It's uh, you know, uh, we pray for patience, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's that's exactly what we need more than anything. And for God to, to 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 bless our tongue, because our kids they really they really gonna uh, push us in, in ways that, that nobody else can. So you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer in the Milton household, bro. Oh, uh, hey man, let me tell you something. I I went to God and I asked Him for you know how I can connect with my with my niece, and uh, He actually sent me like a parenting coach. So I was like, okay. We'll relearn how we speak to the darn near 13-year-old. That's fine with me. I'm, you know, I'm never too old to learn. So I was like, okay, we'll just do that <laughs> and kind of go from there. I'll see see how it all works. So 
God is definitely moving, you know, and he's definitely taking care of it. So I'm pretty blessed. That's a, that's a good move, man. I, I never, uh, I've kind of been flying by the seat of my pants, <laughs> you know what I mean? And deferring to my wife a lot in situations. So just having another tool, man. Hey, let me know how that works out, bro. Like, I, I mean, I think that's pretty cool, man. I, I definitely let you know because I'll speak to him on Monday, bro, and I can't wait. I can't tell you. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm counting down the days, and we are we are locked in to go ahead and see what he has in store for us. And finding out that he was a Christian man and a godly man really drove home everything I needed to know. So I was real excited about that. But we have to talk about some things real quick. Um, one thing that we have said on this pod is that we are not hard to find when things go awry, and we're definitely not hard to find when things go right. So first and foremost, because we always live on the sunny side of the street here on the QP Sports Exchange, Coach T said Lakers in six. It was Lakers in six. You know, LeBron, MVP of the finals. That was locked in as well. And the one thing that we got to clean up on the other side of the street is the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Coach C, give me your thoughts on the Lakers finishing it out in six and then uh, talk to the peoples in Kansas City. Let's go, man. You know what I mean? Hey, LeBron James, congratulations, brother. Uh, you know, I'm happy that, that a lot of people – are really giving him the credit that he deserves. And, and, and some people aren't. And, you know, that, that some, I think, is an understatement when I use that word. But I want to talk about just the fact that he's exceeded everything uh, when he came to L.A., everything they expected from him. He was, they said he was washed up. He was too old. Uh, getting Anthony Davis wasn't going to be enough. Uh, he didn't have enough role players. He did it. And not only did he do it, but he did it in um, – pretty cool fashion you know what i'm saying you know with the stats that he put up and you know some of the highlights that that he created during during that series but yeah lakers and six coach t man i told you man i said miami was gonna get two i find i knew they was gonna find a way to get two and that's because jimmy butler went crazy both games but you know they got a ways to go those young players they got a ways to go um they just they just got to keep keep at it shots out to miami man y'all keep working y'all got something special down there too but um i'm, I'm just so happy for lebron i'm happy for ad uh, and they finally get that ring and understand what it feels like to be a champion. When you have all that talent now, he's about to go to the next level. Like LeBron said, he ain't even scratching the surface. But on the other side, man, uh, accountability. Like Vince, you're my accountability partner. You know what I'm saying? So, Coach, <laughs> I, I, I'm being accountable right now for, for uh, dropping the ball. KC, man, I don't know how y'all lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. I do not know. I guess every dog has his day. I guess uh, you guys are not superhuman. I, I guess you guys uh, have some chinks in your armor. But, uh, yeah, so the 16-0, that thing is now out the window. I was completely wrong. And I'm sorry, guys. You know, you can jump all over me for that one. Listen, like we said, we're not hard to find. If something goes wrong, we definitely talk about it. I remember saying something in the last podcast about the Lakers winning game four then they should close it out in game five. So I was absolutely wrong there because, again, like Coach T said, Jimmy Butler went crazy. He had 
himself a series to remember. In a losing effort, but it will be a series to remember for him. That guy did everything he could to win the championship. Nobody can ever talk bad about Jimmy Butler ever again. I'm looking at you, Minnesota, and I'm looking at you, Philadelphia, talking bad about that dude, talking about how he a locker room cancer. Y'all got to let that go. So I don't want to hear that again. But Coach T, I do have a couple things I want to throw at you about the greatness of LeBron James. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. So we know that LeBron is the, is the finals MVP. He's the first person to do it with three different teams. Now check this out. This is a stat that when I saw it, I just literally – I put my cup of juice down, and I had to really think about this. LeBron James has competed in 51 of the 57 NBA final games from 2010 to 2020. 51 out of 57. So on that note, he has dominated from 2010 to 2020. Coach, What's your thoughts on that ridiculous stat? It just adds to the portfolio that he's built, um, which is something that I don't think we'll, we will ever see again. Like I really, like I said on my, you know, I dropped some bonus content last night. If you haven't already tapped in the Mud Talk podcast, I just couldn't take it anymore. I dropped it last night, but I talked about a lot of different stats that LeBron owns, and you just add this to the portfolio. It's just flat out amazing people have to understand we're watching greatness and some of us will die before we see this again you get what i'm saying and that's that's not because we're going to die at an early age it's just going to take that long for this to happen again uh you know you think of players like wilt chamberlain and the numbers he averaged like the rebounding numbers like we haven't seen that again you know like it's just some things you just won't see happen again and i think this is one of them it just it, it just speaks volumes to everything that LeBron is as a player, his greatness, and why in my mind he's on my Mount Rushmore when it comes to all-time great players. As well he should be. Now I'll even throw a couple more stats at you. Career-wise, LeBron James in the finals averages – actually, this is his playoff average, so money time through the playoff career. He averages 28 points. 28.8 points a game. He averages nine rebounds and 7.2 assists. If you look at his numbers this year, he averaged 27.6 in the points, so there's not a real big variation there. He went up in rebounds. He went almost two rebounds up to 10.8 over nine, and he went up in assists by assists and a half to 8.8. So the one thing that I got, got me thinking is I'm looking at him, and I understand that Father Time is undefeated. But if the Lakers put another piece with him and AD, preferably a shooter and also somebody who can help, you know, defensive-wise, and they can keep some of the pieces that they have now, I can see that dude playing till he's 41, easy, and averaging – 
you know, I can see like the next three, four years, he can average like anywhere like low twenties, still get you the rebounds like ten. He can average a triple double because he'll have two competent pieces around him instead of one. So what's your thoughts on that, Coach T? You know, as much as much as I want to see LeBron play at a high level for another few years, I, the question I ask myself is when does it actually happen? Like, and what I mean by that is like, when do we see LeBron kind of on a decline? And, and we've seen it out of all the greats. Like, and it's it's something that I really don't want to see from LeBron, right? I, as, as selfish as I am when it comes to watching my favorite player play and then win championships and set records, what I don't want to see is him averaging like 15 points a game and you you know what I mean like like we watched Jordan make a comeback to the Wizards and you know quite honestly that was just I, let's let's just forget about that part of his career it just wasn't him like he could still play he could still score but it wasn't Jordan like it wasn't the Jordan that we were used to seeing right um, it wasn't the Jordan that struck fear into everybody exactly. he was mortal and and people went at him Facts. So I kind I kind of want to like if I can compare it to another situation with you know I'll use like John Elway for an example like the way John Elway went out I want to see LeBron go out like that and just leave it at that you get what I'm saying like ride out on that high horse with your accolades your, your championship and, and end it that way to me that would be the storybook ending for LeBron I I just don't want to see it but if they can get right another you know huge you know, peace. And like I told you before, a scoring guard, maybe another a two guard, somebody that can just take that off of LeBron to where for stretches in the game, he doesn't have to play all these minutes. Then yeah, I could definitely see him play a little bit longer at a higher le- at a you know, the level he's playing at now. Cause AD is about to uh, go crazy now. You know what I'm saying? He has all the confidence in the world. He has the championship. Like I can see him being the, the, the centerpiece or the focal point of that offense going forward. Well, he about to get that bad too. So, all his financial concerns—if he had any before—which I don't think that brother really did have a lot of financial concerns—his generational financial concerns are about to be taken care of in a second. So he gonna get that bad. My whole thing, what I was saying, is that there have been reports that LeBron said that he does he does want to play with his son. So. We're still a couple years away from that. And I don't see LeBron just happy about playing. I think now that he got the fourth one, kind of like how Tiger Woods in golf got that Masters victory like a year ago, I can see, like, the fire kind of, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit closer to Jordan now. And if I get five, I might not even have to get six, but if I get five, which is Kobe, you know, contemporary of his, I can get five, there will be no debate. If the debate is still there and he plays at a high level the next couple of years and they somehow get one or two in the next couple of years, which I think are, is plausible, you know, I know it's going to be a killer West, you know, get your third dude, whoever that might be, and see what you can do. Because the one thing that the Lakers have over everybody else in the West, their star power is up front. They're bigger and stronger than the Steph Currys of the world 
and the Clay Thompsons of the world. Dame, you know I love him because you know that I think he a stone cold killer. But he six two, and his partner is six three. So they're the one dynamic duo that is up front, and they weigh over two hundred and forty pounds. So I can see this being a problem for people at least for a couple more years. And what do you think about that? I agree, man. And I think the underrated uh, part of this Lakers, um, you know, I guess the transformation or their return to, to, to glory has been the head coach. I think that, you know, Frank Vogel has found a way to use different combinations on the floor that led to a ton of success, whether that's starting with a small lineup, you know, in game six and, just completely obliterating you know it just that coaching move right there alone it just showed like how valuable he really is to the Lakers because coaches to me when you have great players they tend to get overlooked and like we look at Phil Jackson like in the past as being a guy that had a system right that worked for the egos of the great players he was able to you know implement a system that led to success and you know, that's why Phil Jackson gets the credit. Uh, in Miami, even though I think Eric Spolscher has, has proven that he's a good coach, maybe even a great coach, uh, he's proven that. I don't think I looked at him as a great coach when he had LeBron. It was one of those situations where I was like, man, you got LeBron and Wade and Bob. You know what I mean? You don't really need the coach. You get what I'm saying? But Frank Vogel, I think a lot of people, that he, he's definitely underrated to me as a head coach. Uh, the big man... And like you said, that they have, you know, the bodies, he has different combinations. He has different personnel groupings when, you know, that he can put on the floor that involves, you know, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who didn't even play very much at all. But in the previous series, he was like a huge contributor, you know, and it, it all comes back to coaching. So uh, I think that if they can keep using those big men, if they can keep them intact, then they have a, they have a legit chance to, to, to make a push because it's going to be a tough year, man, coming up out there in the West, man. It's going to be tough. And if, and if the rumor mills and all the stuff that we're talking about, I know we'll get to soon, but if, if, if that stuff is true, they're going to have to ante up out there in LA and get ready, man. You know what I'm saying? All those big men, they're going to have to really play some, some big roles out there. So I, I can see it happen. They just got to keep getting better, man. And keep the coach has to keep finding ways to use them um, to their advantage. Vogel definitely earned his money. The one thing that I will say about Vogel is I really like his statement after the championship. He's like, hey, we only had LeBron when I took this job, and that's all I needed. And we didn't have Anthony Davis yet and all the other guys that we had literally overnight. He said, the one thing that I knew we had and the one thing I could trust is LeBron James. And what he said was, you think you know but you have no idea. And the one thing about good teams, championship teams, there's a collaboration with star player and head coach. Because the head coach can only do so much because he's not on the floor. To be in cohesion with your star player, I mean, it goes back so many years. Look at Duncan and Pop. You know, look at you know, Phil and Michael. He could ride Michael because Michael was going to ride the other dudes and he was going to bully the other dudes. 
So it's the same thing. It's like when you have that real tight relationship with your star player, you're looking at just nothing but success because you can trust him while he's on the court and you and he knows that, hey, there's going to be a day where we might need to have a mental day. There might be a day where you got to push us a little bit harder in practice, whatever. You know, maybe they're not rebounding the basketball properly. But when you have that type of relationship with the star player, it breeds success. And now I think because they won the championship, I think you're going to see a lot of dudes that are like 29 to 30, still got a lot of lot in the gas tank. They'll be willing to take less money. I think the phones won't just ring from El Segundo out here and Rob Kalinka's office. I think people will call in to want to play and try to go ahead and hustle up and get a ring. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You got to keep in mind that if you're a player that just haven't figured it out yet and you're in your 30s, um, you got to make a decision. Are you willing to retire without a championship or do you want to, like you say, go, go, you know, jump on board with one of these superstars and make a run uh, like a person like a Paul George, who I don't think will come to the Lakers, but he, he's, he's one of the, the first people that, that, that come to mind when I think about the position that I'm speaking about, like in their careers, like you're no longer a superstar, right? You can't carry a team to a championship. You can't even really be the second superstar on the team. But what you can be is an excellent piece to a team that already has established superstars. And you can come out and you can produce, and your production is going to be a bonus. It's going to make this team um, even better in the stretch, down the stretch when it comes to the playoffs and things like that. So a player that's in that Paul George category, to me, would be perfect to come to L.A. Uh, I think, like, I don't want to compare Chris Paul to, you know, uh, Paul George, but because I think he's oh, no. yeah, yeah. He, he's in a better no. situation, like, as far as, like, talent-wise of his career. Like, he's at a better stage than Paul George is, like – CP can still dominate. He's shown that, like, with the OKC Thunder. Like, he showed that he still got it. So, if they can get somebody like that, I mean, that's that's a plus. But, you know, Chris Paul, Paul George, I mean, you can name a few other players like that. But then it's a couple other guys when you get to, like, the fourth and fifth tier in the NBA, the guys that can come and contribute and really, really help that roster. So, um, I'm interested to see if it'll happen. I'm pretty sure it will because it's LeBron, man. Like, you know he got another year too hard in the tank. You know what I mean? Like, y'all got to come hey, come join them. Come, come along for the ride, man. Come get you a chip. Now, again, guys, I'm going to take you behind the production screen a little bit. I told Coach T that I had a surprise for him in the podcast pre-recording. So he led me perfectly to it. He said, guys who can't dominate anymore, who can be like that third will. That brings me to this. So I read online, courtesy of, of DraftNet, that the Charlotte Hornets are interested in DeMar DeRozan. The salary match is a combo of Batum, Cody Martin, and, and uh, Jaden McDaniels for DeRozan and either a future first-rounder or your 2020 pick. So this is, this is a rumor that has legs. I, I read it in three different places. So three different articles. So I wanted to hear what you had to say about Domar DeRozan and possibly hooking up with your beloved Charlotte Hornets. 
first of all, man, shout out to DeMar DeRozan. Look, I love the the player that he is. And then just just real quick, like speaking on kind of like the off the court stuff, like the stuff that he deals with mentally and that he's been open about. Like I have a ton of respect for him, you know, just as a person, because everybody doesn't want to talk about that when you're a millionaire and everybody looks at your life as just perfect. You know, everybody has things that they're dealing with. And he was open about that. So, like, um, I have a ton of respect for DeMar DeRozan. But let's let's be clear. I get that out the way. This is what we do. Charlotte Hornets, this is exactly what we do. This, this falls in line with what we do, okay? DeMar DeRozan, in my opinion, was at his best when he played in Toronto, right? He went to San Antonio. That's a good player, but he was at his best when he played with Toronto. Okay. This reminds me of, the, you know, the Al Jefferson move, you know? Like, he'll come here. And he'll be good by default because we don't have anything else. He'll come here and he'll average 25, 26 a game, but he will not be the difference in this team getting in the playoffs or making a run or anything for that matter. I mean, he may be an all-star for the Hornets because we don't, by default. But this is the type of move that we make. So hearing this, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. It just, it just adds to – what I've already said about us, like we're, we're, we're destined to like screw it up. Now, the only thing that will change this, if we get DeMar DeRozan and then in the draft, we draft the right player. And now we're building something for the future. Right. Then I, I would change my opinion on the whole situation of getting DeMar DeRozan. Cause he's going to come in. He's going to, he's going to give you 20 plus a game, but he's not going to be, he's not going to change a lot about what we have going on here. So I, I'm kind of a fan of that and I'm kind of not a fan of it. So it's just, it, I guess it's a two part thing. Like what happens after we get him will determine if I feel great about the move, you know, but DeMar DeRozan alone coming here with nothing else happening. I'm not a fan of that. Well, I'll say this. If it is the future pick and not the 2020 pick, I say Charlotte should do that because now you're talking what top 10 pick and you're adding 20, 22 points a game. He shot 52% this year. He's still not the greatest three-point shooter, but he's shooting at a respectable level, like 33. You know, he doesn't shoot a ton of them. So this would be a veteran presence in that lineup that they sorely need. And somebody who can be productive and not just a mouthpiece. Somebody who is, okay, I still play at a you know, high level. You know, I can go out and erupt for 35, 40 plus every once in a while and take some of the pressure off, you know, the P.J. Washingtons of the world. Uh, and like I said, depending on what they get with the 2020 selection, if they can hold on to that, this makes a ton of sense. I personally think this is this is not going to get you to a championship, but this can make you respectable. And now maybe the kids who are there will, okay, this is what playoff basketball looks like. Add a couple other things to my, to my game. Cause PJ Washington to me last year, I really enjoyed every time I saw him, every time I saw a Charlotte Hornets game, I did stop the TV because I really liked his game. And I didn't think that what he did at Kentucky was going to equate, but he's having no issue whatsoever. So I'm really excited about 
um, a couple of pieces they already have and if they can go ahead and add something in the 2020 draft, which is coming up November 18th, Coach T and I are going to have to break down some stuff, get in the lab, and, uh, and come up with a draft preview, like a remix or something. We'll figure it out. So I just wanted to bring that to you, Coach, because I was like, okay, got to give it to him. I saw this. I was like, oh. <laughs> Quick, man. Like, why you're why you're talking about that, and why you bring that up? Just because it it's not on top. It's on topic, but it's, it was really wasn't a part of the plan. But I seen like briefly, like earlier. Matter of fact, one of my guys posted it on their story that Dallas is pursuing Giannis. Man, Dallas Dallas is you know uh, laying everything on the line to try to you know land the Greek freak, which is to me a crazy storyline because that Dallas team and we talked about it already, like how good they really are um, without Giannis, and if they can get somebody like Giannis, then you know, all of his, uh, how can you put it, man? Like the chinks in the armor, so to speak, they, they get covered up when he plays for, for Dallas. Like, you know, his lack of shooting, I think his, his, his ability to not really have, have a, a plethora of moves to get to the basket because everybody kind of knows what he's going to do, but it's still hard to stop him, right? It's the, it's the um, you know, the Euro and then the extended arms or dunk or a foul, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty predictable, but I mean, like you say, man, you know, it's coming, you still got to stop it. But I think playing with them and Luca who can do it all, you know, that sets him up to, to be an even better player than what he, what we've seen uh, in Milwaukee. So that's interesting as well. I just, I just heard that. I figure I would throw that out there. My take on Luca is that Luca to me is the next in line of what the next reincarnation of LeBron James in a sense of player, not mogul, not, you know, conglomerate as far as shoes and everything like that. I'm talking about just pure skill game, okay? Luca is really about that life I found out in the playoffs this year because he was putting it on Kawhi Leonard every chance he got. So he wasn't backing down from the moment at all. So that kid right there, to me, that's the guy. That's the next one. You know, we will see what Ja turns into. We'll see what Zion turns into and whoever's coming out this year. But to me, that's the next big thing up in Dallas. Luka Doncic is for real. If you're not a fan of fundamentals, he's probably not your guy. But he's going to put hurt on your team. He's going to be the guy. Everybody of any certain type of age will understand this. And kids, if you don't understand this, go YouTube this name once I say it. Everybody was scared to death with about five seconds to go, and Larry Joe Bird had the basketball. There was literal fear in other teams if that man got the basketball with five seconds to go. because where he wasn't the most athletic, he didn't jump the highest, he wasn't the fastest. Guess what? From 28 feet, it was going in. On a high, high clip, it was going in. So Luca is, to me, that guy. He is downright incredible. If they can match him up with Giannis uh, and Porzingis, I mean, that's going to be crazy. Like, if that really happens, the West is going to be out of control next year. I completely agree. So, Dallas, 
if y'all can make it happen, if Mark Cuban can make it happen, and, and real quick, shout out to Mark Cuban, man, for really going and uh, helping Delonte West. I, li- I like to see stuff like that. Mm, um, yeah. Right, you know, I don't know the personal uh, situation or, or what he's dealing with or the – I just read what everybody else reads. But for him um, to have as much money and power and stuff that he has, at least in this world, that he's actually using that to say, you know, let me stop what I'm doing and let me go help somebody who, who's helped me. So, uh, shouts out to Mark Cuban for really having some compassion and uh, really, really doing something and not talking about it. So, yeah, man, shouts out to Mark Cuban. Yeah, shouts out to Mark Cuban because the, the thing with him, and there's a few owners in the league that are like that, right, that really take care of their players. Like, you don't hear a lot of disgruntlement coming from, like, the Lakers organization, the Mavericks organization. Um, now, you hear a bunch of noise coming out of the Knicks organization. And that's for a different podcast. But, yeah, shout out to Mark Cuban for um, looking at this person as a broken human being who needs some help. And uh, prayers up for Delonte West. Brother, get well. I've been there, bro. I have been there. And it's a, it looks – it definitely looks bleak. But I will tell you that everything is possible through Jesus Christ. And I believe that with my whole entire soul. And I'm living proof of it. And I try to bring it every single day and be God's light. So prayers up to that dude. And we hope that he gets better. For sure. For sure. Definitely, man. Couldn't have said it better, man. So uh, Dallas, they're, they're definitely on my list uh, of teams in the West next year. That's just going to add to what, what's already going to be a daunting task for, for the Lakers to try to repeat. So Lakers and, uh, you know, Palenka and, and Jenny Buss and, you know, the whole everybody over there, y'all going to have to get get right, man, make some stuff happen, make it shake. LeBron going to have to get on the recruiting trail. And uh... Uh, Roy Williams impersonation and uh, get, get some guys out there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, see, I knew he was going to get some Tar Heel. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead talk about your boy. Go ahead talk about the Tar Heels winning in football again. Go ahead, bro. Get it all out. <laughs> I know you got it. You already know what time it is, man. Hey, first and foremost, go Heels, man. Shouts out to my boy, hey. Listen, I don't even know where to start with that football team, man. It's crazy. A return to the Mac has been has been everything we expected to be and more. But yo, check it. Our defense gonna have to, you know, actually show up. Like I'm cool with the wins and everything, but that D, we can't be giving up those kind of points, bro. Like we we score, we can score all day, but we 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 doing our best Oklahoma impersonation. You know what I'm saying? We on we on the straight shootout mode and just giving up points, man. That ain't gonna work. And and, and the Coastal has been surprisingly competitive this year. So, with some teams, I with the exception of Miami getting exposed, like I said, you know, I predicted that. Like, y'all, y'all got to stop hopping, hyping up Miami. Listen, shout out to Dade County. Shout out to Miami. Y'all produce a ton of talented football players, especially out of high school down that way, man. But the U ain't back yet, bro. Like, y'all, y'all want it to be back so bad. It's not, bro. Like, it's not back. And I don't know why it's not back yet. But every time y'all get close to wanting to think that it's back, y'all ready to just crown them. And, and, and it's always too premature, man. You know what I mean? Y'all played Clemson and got embarrassed. So, like, 
you know, I, I said that was going to happen. I don't know who thought that was going to be a good game, but, bro, y'all mm-hmm. y'all are not on their level. But mm-hmm. back to the heels, like I was saying. There you go. <laughs> hey, 3-0 and right now. You know what I mean? We riding high. You feel me? Like, I, I you know, I, I'm happy. I can't, I can't wait to the next game. Like, you know, show us some love, man. Y'all, y'all, we're not just a basketball school, bro. Like, we got, we got some talent up there on the football. We probably have the best running back duo in the country. And oh. If you haven't watched the Carolina what? game, watch one, watch a game before you tell me we don't. <laughs> wow. That's, For real. yo, For real. For real. that's big right there. So, Alabama, Clemson with ATN. Who has a good, who has another good running attack? I'm sure Ohio State will be popping off pretty soon. I see you, Columbus. I see y'all. I know they're going. They're definitely going to have a lot to say. Before he goes more on UNC, I will say this: Dade County, don't be the University of Texas at Austin. Don't be that university. Don't talk about glory years and we're back and nostalgia and the U is back. Don't do it. Wait, y'all got the blueprint right in front of you. Clemson is in your conference. Just shut up, do your thing, recruit all the athletes in South Florida, and y'all be cool. But don't make any noise. You know what I'm saying? Real revolutionaries run in silence. Just understand that. Now, Coach T, back to UNC. Go ahead. Let's go, man. Like I said, we got the, the, the best running back duo in the country, period, hands down. When you talk about yards per carry, Michael Carter, if you're not familiar with Carolina, Michael Carter has number eight. He is the – he's number two in the country, you know, yards per rush. And and, and Javante, you know, who's our, who's our second string? I don't even say second string. He's like, you know, a first stringer too. Javante Williams, who's our other running back, number 25. Hey, he, he's number 20 in the country at, at yards per rush. So – Whoever gets the ball and they catch the ball out the backfield, they mm. get in the, they get in the end zone on a regular. So, and it, I mean, like our offense is on go, bro. Like I'm sorry, like whether our defense will be able to hold up against a, a great team, that you know, right now, if, if I had to answer that question, I would say no. But it's a long season and they have the opportunity to get better. But so I'm excited. I'm stoked, I'm stoked about Carolina. They're living up to everything that I expected them to do this year. Who you got next? I mean, who you got next week? Who does uh, Tar Heels play? Yeah, so next week, man, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that, man, because I was I was over here like <laughs> I was really digging into uh, Michael Carter's stats, and, and bro has been balling out this year, man. You, it's it's crazy, man. I know that that people don't watch UNC football. I get it, and you're out there on the West Coast. If you're listening, you probably can't even get the game on TV or whatnot, man. But if you have, oh no, we get the ACC Network, bro. For sure, we yeah. get that. Check us out, man. Check us out, man. But, yeah, next week, man, we got Western Carolina, man. Nothing to really too much worry about, you know, per se. Like, we, we should get out there and everybody, all the players should get some run. It should, it should be a good game. It should be another dub. But the interesting part about our season is, that, like I say, the Coastal has been surprisingly competitive. So, even though we're undefeated, we're in third place in our division. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, uh, you know, only time is going to separate everybody. So, we got we to gotta keep winning for sure. When's the Clemson game? That's what I want to know. The cool part about our schedule this year is we don't play Clemson in the regular hey! season. <laughs> so oh! we know, you know, the only the only way we will we will play Clemson is in the ACC championship. That's the only way. Oh um, my goodness! So, so yeah, man, you know we we don't have to play 
to Clemson. So uh, we're not worried about that. Uh, we just need to focus on the Coastal Division, and <laughs> we'll see Clemson <laughs> if and when we see Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Shouts out like, to Clemson. Like that old added, we'll see you when we see you. <laughs> All right, so we got one more basketball note. And I'm going to bring this up because of two reasons. One, I'm out here in the la-la, okay? I'm out here in the Rays, and we still kicking it in the 80s, and it's like mid-October. So first and foremost, shout out to Long Beach, where I dwell at. Shout out to Los Angeles, where I'm from, 213-323-562. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The Clippers are interested in Mike Brown. Shame on you, Clipper fans. Y'all fell for it. Y'all fell for it. You thought that you were going to take the Lakers out this year. Y'all didn't even get to the Western Conference Finals. You thought that you had a better team than us because you took Kawhi Leonard away from the Lakers. Still didn't work out because he loves to low manage. Shout out to LeBron for the low key shade that he threw in his in his uh, finals MVP speech. If you didn't catch it, YouTube it. There is some shade in there. It's very low key. A lot of people. Um, who don't follow basketball the way Coach D and I do, won't get it. But just watch it for you who heads out there. But Mike Brown, who's a good coach, man, I have no problem with him whatsoever. His record is 347 out of and, uh, 260. Okay, so he has a really good record. The problem with it is, is that I'm looking at Mike Brown, and I'm going, that's who you're going to bring in to – to wrangle up Kawhi and get him to play more than 62 games a year, that's the guy? Or was it that Kawhi, Doc was on Kawhi about playing on the load management situation and Kawhi had to get him out of town? So I'm, I'm really trying to figure this whole thing out. But Coach T, your thoughts on the Clippers looking at Mike Brown, compare him to Doc Rivers, and do you think there was maybe another applicant out there that might have been a little bit more qualified? Your thoughts? Uh, it's kind of hard to compare the two just because Doc Rivers has a wealth of experience at, a, at the head coach position. Uh, so does Mike Brown, but not as much, right? So, I mean, their records are similar. They've, they both have proven that they can win. Mike Brown coached LeBron James, <laughs> at one point in time. So I, I just um, – I, I don't know how I feel about that move. You know, does Mike Brown have the personality or the demeanor that will uh, allow him to just, you know, breathe life into the Clippers organization, which doesn't seem like a daunting task because they have Kawhi Leonard and they have Paul George and they have other pieces. Like, they have players – but from a coach's perspective, you need that, like you say, like we talked about it, like I feel Jackson was able to, you know, get Jordan on board. He was able to get, you know, Shaq and Kobe on board. You know, Frank Vogel was able to get out there to L.A. and really get those guys to, to believe and uh, buy in. Is Mike Brown that type of guy? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Like, like there was rumors that 
at times he he really couldn't handle LeBron. You know, he couldn't really ha- handle coaching LeBron and stuff like that. So I, I don't know, man, if that's the right move. I feel like maybe they're reaching to try to just, you know, find a coach and go ahead and make an announcement, which to me is never a good move, not only in sports, but in life. <laughs> you, patience, man, patience, patience, patience. Find you a guy. Maybe, maybe there's a guy out there that nobody knows about um, that's not even on the radar to take to take an NBA head coaching job, you know, take the Boston route or something. I don't know, like, but I, I don't I don't think that this is it. Like, I, I'm not I'm not really a fan of, it. and it's not nothing against Mike Brown, but I don't I don't think it's the I don't think it's the proper move. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, with all the killers that are out there in the Western Conference, you're talking about the Steve Kerr's of the world, okay? You're talking about um, what's my man in uh in Dallas, Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle. So you got Rick Carlisle on Dallas. He's a cerebral guy. You got Steve Kerr. Frank Vogel has now entered a different pantheon of coach, right? Stotts in Portland. Um, Mike Malone in in Denver. You know, these are like guys who are giving what I consider leadership and, and, you know, it's the, the brand that they're trying to build, the team has bought into the philosophy. You know, like in Golden State, they have a way. You know, they have a way. Now, in L.A., you might say it's Le- LeBron's way, but so what? Who cares? As long as it's getting you championships, you don't care where it's coming from. And Vogel can get LeBron to do the things that he wasn't doing maybe the last couple of years. Like LeBron's defense, let's be honest, last couple of years till this year, kind of was slacking a little bit. LeBron played defense this year. Let's just be real honest about that. He was getting after people. He was taking the challenge. So say what you want about Vogel. He got LeBron to play defense. So shouts out to that dude. When I look at Mike Brown and I put him up against these other coaches, I kind of go, that's the advantage of the team. No disrespect to him. I'm just saying, can you – Whatever you told Clipper management, and what I mean by that is Steve Ballmer, whatever you told Ballmer, can you take what you told him and instill it into the team? And that's been the the disconnect with Mike Brown through his tenures in the NBA is that he couldn't. He could not connect it to the team. I think he's a brilliant guy. I think he's that guy that you definitely want as you like your top like assistant coach, but as the top guy, I don't think L.A. is the market for him. I think he would be better served, like, in a Oklahoma City. You know, you could build a culture, get your young team together, and, you know, build it maybe in Orlando or something like that. You know, build the culture, young team, and then when they grow up, you know, they're all good, then you make your run. But – trying to deal with, like, megastars like Kawhi Leonard and then dudes that think they're megastars like Paul George, I just don't see him bringing out what you need to win a championship for the Clippers. Yeah, I completely agree on that. So, you know, I wish them the best of luck if, if, if that's the case, but I don't see it. Like, they, they, need, a, they need a guy that's going to really get in there and – make those guys buy in. That's what they need. I, it was something missing with the Clippers down there in the bubble. 
And a lot of people were saying that maybe it was because they didn't want to be there during those early meetings when they were, you know, considering shutting down that the Clippers were a big advocate for, you know, not playing down there and leaving, you know, leaving the bubble. So it, to me, like they, they were missing some leadership at some point in time down there. I don't know if that had something to do with Doc. I don't know what that had had to do with, but it, it showed on the court because a, a, a team that was really, really good and had a, has a ton of talent all of a sudden just, you know, went the complete opposite direction. So um, that's just weird. I, ho- I hope they figure it out because if not, man, like I say, man, hey, the, the parade is going to continue out there in, uh, in L.A., man. It ain't going to involve the Clippers. I promise you that. Oh, and that's for sure. And Clipper fan, listen, it's all love. I was just tired of the chirping because I heard a lot going on. And then all of a sudden, as soon as y'all got eliminated by Denver, oh, it was ghost town. You couldn't find them. Like, we had to put out search parties to find Clipper fans to make sure they were okay. No, it was that bad. get to football coach T and this was a weird week in a lot of ways you've already apologized about the Kansas City Chiefs sorry Chiefs fans we still love you and you still got a great team and your quarterback is awesome but coach T Vegas went and beat Kansas City Derek Carr had himself a game first of all he was 22 or 31 for 347 yards and three touchdowns and low-key this year, he's 73% completions for the year. He's got 1,442 yards and 11 TDs and one interception. So have the Raiders found their quarterback? You know what? The bigger question for me is, 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 is John Gruden finally earning that mega contract he got out there? Is he earning his bread? Because that contract, yo, shouts out to John Gruden, bro. Like, you, you got that super bag, bro. And he got something, he got something that we all want too. Not only did he get the bag, he got security with the bag. Man, I just can't even. And and life was already good for him. (laughs) And so, at least from the outside looking in, I don't know what else is going on. But when you're talking about financially, he uh he definitely made that happen. So, but the only thing about it is when you get a contract like that, from, you know, in a head coaching position, it comes with a lot of expectations. And Derek Carr actually had a pretty good season a few years back, right? He was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And then, you know, he got hurt. Uh, and, and people, I think, kind of forgot how good he could really be. And John Gruen is seen, seems to be uh, bringing that back out of him, which we know he's not a, you know, down the field type guy. He's going to, you know, he, he takes uh, – who, who can I compare uh, Carr to as far as uh, his passes and things like that? He, he doesn't make a lot of down-the-field throws, but he's going to make those short – maybe kind of like Drew Brees, like high completion percentage, but you're not going to go deep down the field all the time. You're going to 10 yards, 15 yards, get it down the field, you know, but be extremely efficient at the same time. So that's what I'm seeing from Carr right now. Uh, and I think it's catching everybody by surprise. If, if you would have told me going into this season that – Carr would be, you know, resurging and, and, the, and, and the Las Vegas Raiders would be having a good season and they would beat the Kansas City Chiefs, I would probably tell you you're crazy. But um, shouts out to them. They're actually, you know, doing some good things out that way. And 
the Panthers losing to them doesn't really look as bad now. Because mm. um, the Panthers are what, sorry. Coaching T? Where, where are the Panthers again? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, all right. I'm not – look, I'm not ready to apologize to, to none of my Panther fans. Look, I love nope. y'all, bro. I love Stay y'all, man. Like, I'm, look, I'm standing ten toes down on, on what I believe about this season. And I'm not ready to to agree with y'all, bro. Like, I'm not ready to, to to take the cap off the juice and start drinking it. I'm not ready, bro. I'm not ready. Because let me let me quickly remind y'all about last season that we were, you know, in a similar position with Cal Allen at quarterback, and we had won three games, and then we we we, we, we crowned Cal Allen, Cal Allen. Excuse me, can't get my words out. And then you know the bottom fell out. So. Teddy Bridgewater is is playing pretty darn good. I, I got to admit that, you know, if we're going to talk about numbers and stats, he's playing pretty good. But we're three and two. We're three and two. And we are in position based on our schedule. And looking at the schedule, man, it looks really favorable. <laughs> so I don't I, – look, I don't want to drink the juice. But everybody around here is clearly drinking it. If you listen to sports radio, it is it is straight up, you know, they, you know they're going um, – are they losing their minds out there? Are they losing it? They're going crazy, man, because they're looking at the schedule and it's really favorable. Like when you take out the Kansas City game and you take out the Green Bay game, now you're talking about a bunch of toss-up games. You know, mm-hmm. they could go either way. And like right now, this team in those type of games are coming out with wins and it's kind of scary, you know? So, um, I mean, Teddy B, man, he's in the top five in passing yards. Uh, in the league right now, which is which is nuts. He's uh, he's 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 throwing the ball at a high clip, man. He's getting people in the end zone. DJ Moore is actually getting in the end zone. And if you know anything about the Panthers, DJ Moore has a ton of talent. He was drafted to be a number one, but the knock on him is that he doesn't score touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Like he had a a bunch of yards last year, and he finished like in the top ten or whatever it was, top five in the league. But his touchdown numbers are extremely low. And we're trying to figure out around here in Carolina, why is it like that? But DJ Moore got an end zone Sunday. So, shouts out to Teddy Bridgewater, man. He's finding a way to, you know, and Matt Rule. I don't I don't want to, you know, downplay his, his impact on this team. You know, I wasn't a fan of the hire originally just because I didn't know much about him. But, you know, once you start seeing what's going on and, and, and how he's leaving his imprint on the roster and stuff in the team, you got to give him credit. But I'm not about to drink the juice about this team being a playoff team or um, three and two right now. Check with me next week. Well, I'll say this for Coach T. He's on the right track because here's the deal. Carolina fans, shouts out to South Carolina and North Carolina. You know, we're we saying it every week now. We're trying to get that, that L.A.-Charlotte connection real, real tight. But your boy has something to give you so you can tangibly see it so you don't end up like this. What I want you to do, is I want you to go back, not real far back, but like from like 2005 to about now. And you ask yourself, do you want to be the Miami Dolphins? That's the question, Charlotte. That is the question of the day. Do you want to be the Miami Dolphins? Because here's the deal. If you continue to win, and you continue to have like 79 seasons, you're not going to get the pieces you need to really turn it around and really make that sustained run 
that you see in other teams do, like Kansas City. They drafted well, and then they got the big piece, which was the quarterback, and then they were off to the races. Charlotte, South Carolina, Chapel Hill, Gastonia, where y'all at? I'm telling you right now, if you continue to win, you're going to end up being Miami, and you don't want that. Because T will tell you you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. I am sitting here with a four-in-one Rams team. Do you understand? We are trying to take this division from Russ up in Seattle, who's going to be MVP. I don't care what anybody say. If they don't get that dude MVP this year, um, I will say to Russ, listen, you got a beautiful family, bro. You got the bag. And you don't need them. Just keep on winning, bro. Keep on doing your thing. But I want that for I want that for the Carolina Panthers. I want them to have, you know, a, a really good quarterback and, you know, a bunch of young like offensive linemen that you got through the draft and built it right. And the only way you do that is that maybe you have a couple like four and twelve se- seasons. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm disappointed in you, Charlotte. Don't drink the juice. Put the cap on the bottle. Let it go. For sure. Uh, you know, to piggyback on that just a little bit, and I'm not going to go too far on it because y'all know how I feel. Like, I'm standing 10 toes down until it's time for me to be uh, 100% accountable for, for my words. But the direction we're going to head in is going to lead us to be uh, – how can I put it? What, what can I say to, to make you understand it? We'll, we'll, we'll soon become like the guardian of the, the realm of mediocrity. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we'll be the guardian. You know, to get into that realm, you have to get through us. You got to get through the Panthers because we're the guardian of the, of, the, of the realm of mediocrity. Like, uh, that, that, the qualifications of a team uh, involves uh, uh, to, to get in there, you have to have no Super Bowl wins. You have to be extremely inconsistent year in and year out. Your draft picks have to be a combination of bust and guys that just never work out. And if that's where we want to be, Panther fans, then c- continue to root for this team to win six games, seven games. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's exciting on Sunday. Y'all can, you know, uh, I don't know, eat your hamburgers and, you know, high-five your, your buddies. But, man, in the ultimate, you know, in the big picture, man, it doesn't add up to much. So, you know, you may look at me as being, you know, half glass, half empty type Coach T right now. But at the end of the day, Look, I'm looking at the big picture for the Panthers. I, you know, I pray for success with our franchise, and I think we're heading in the right direction. But if we win six, seven games this year, we're right back where we started. Because Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to be our quarterback at that point. Like, I, unless we find a gem in the draft that nobody expected to be good, and we draft them in some kind of way, that guy ends up being just a mega superstar, which could happen. But and FYI, Sam Howell is not available this year. He's not available, Panther fans. So don't let that pipe dream even start. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and I'm going to end it on this one. Like, if we win six games, I'm officially looking at the Sam Howell draft class. Not mm. that Sam Howell will be the guy, but I'm looking at Spencer Rattler. I'm looking at Sam Howell. I'm looking at, and Spencer Rattler, man, he has some talent. That guy, he has some talent, but Oklahoma is just, they're Oklahoma. But, when I look at him, the player, um, his release is, is quick. Uh, he's smart. Uh, he, 
he's a freshman, redshirt freshman, so he's making some some decisions out there that, you know, kind of show that he's a freshman. But his talent, his arm talent, tells me that he will be a, a, a NFL quarterback in the next Well, week. The problem with Ryler is that he turns the ball over way too much. And I think what with him, the, he, he has a problem with uh, zone coverage. I, 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 saw, I saw a couple of his games, and – what I find is when it looks like blitz and they drop off the linebackers, he doesn't see it. So I don't know if that is something that maybe because of the fact he didn't play his, you know, his redshirt year. And so he didn't have a lot of on the field situations because, you know, they ran through the gauntlet over there, right? They had Baker Mayfield and they had uh, Kyler and then they had Jalen Hurts, right? So, my man hasn't seen a lot of field time until now. But right now, he struggles with zone coverage on a real level. I'm just putting, I'm just putting out the bat signal right now. I'm clicking the button over here and, uh, for the bat signal. It's going out to, um, to Lincoln Riley to, to, go be, <laughs> to go coach this guy up. Coach him up because that's what you do, right? You coach up the offense. You don't worry about anything else. You coach up the offense. So get Spencer Riley where he needs to be. Um, this is when, you know, the great head coaches, you know, you get that guy and you coach him up, man. Because like you say, some of those things players have naturally, you know, the pocket presence and, you know, the ability to kind of, you know, read coverages and things like that. But what Spencer Rattler does have to me is that natural arm talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, he, and he is a little he, – he's pretty mobile. Um, so I would love to see Lincoln Riley, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Just just coach this guy up and get him get him to the NFL because I think I think he can be awesome if he can, you know, like you say, sure up some of that stuff because he does turn the ball over. I know one game I watched he had three interceptions and you know it's 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 something that as a freshman we'll say okay he's a freshman redshirt freshman, but if this is still happening next year, then you know I don't know how you know how I'm gonna feel about Spencer Rattler. Well, we're gonna transition to to my team because Aaron Donald went crazy on Sunday. He had four sacks. He's now the NFL leader again in sacks again. You know, I mean, I don't know what this dude got to do. If he's not right, number one, and it was that NFL top 100 situation, yo, there's a problem. He's been doing it consistently for five years now. I'm going to be biased right now. I'm going to say it. Give my boy Aaron Donald some love. Or as LeBron said, give me my damn respect. Shouts out to you, Aaron Donald, having a real big game. They, that dude is getting double team, triple team every week, and he's still getting to the quarterback and leading the NFL in sacks, man. I was just so happy for how the Rams defense has played because the Rams offense still hasn't clicked yet. I think that we got Cam Akers back. Shouts out to Florida State for bringing that brother here. Because Cam Akers did show up last week. He didn't carry the ball a lot. He carried it nine times for 61 yards. But the Rams still had over 130 yards of rushing. So they're doing it. I like it. I like our upward trajectory. Our quarterback is not turning the football over, which is a real big deal. And the guards in the center are keeping his pocket clean, which is interesting because he has a running game this year. He didn't have a running game last year because Todd Gurley couldn't stay on the field. So 
I'm excited about that. They're four and one. So Carolina, this is what your this is what you want your football team to look like in like three years. Good quarterback, good defensive line, got stars sprinkled throughout the both sides of football. That's what you want. You want to build your team the right way. So you guys need to get after that and not continue to win and get to 79. Do not be the Miami Dolphins. Don't do it. Actually, Dolphin fan will tell you not to do it because they lived through the Jay Fiedler years. And who else was the guy? Who was the other quarterback they got from the Jets? The kid from Marshall or whatever. Pennington, Chad Pennington. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be that team. So that'll be my last rant on that. But Coach T, we got to give the state of Ohio some love right now because we don't go there very often and talk about them. But the Cleveland Browns are four and one. Okay? Now, defense looks pretty good. They're running the football very well. And their quarterback is doing just enough. But he has a real tight schedule because he does a lot of commercials. So I can understand practice time may be a little limited for him. But Coach T, tell me a little bit about Cleveland and this 4-1 and situation. Yeah, shouts out to Cleveland, man. You know, this is, a, this is an interesting episode because, you know, we, we started with giving love to LeBron, who, who's from, you know, Ohio, of course. And now here we are talking about the Cleveland Browns. But it's just you give credit where credit is due. Cleveland, they're, they're four and one for the first time since Bill Belichick was the head coach, which is crazy. That's a long time. That's a mm. long time. You know, shout out, shout out to the hoodie, because that yeah. man is still doing it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, but when you look at Cleveland, I think it directly. Uh, you start with the resurgence of Odell Beckham. We knew what type of player Odell was when he played for the Giants. I mean, at times he was flat out unstoppable. You know. At worst, he might drop a pass that, that he should have, you know, caught. But his ability to get the ball, uh, make, you know, acrobatic catches and things like that, and just his separation, his competitiveness, like, we knew that about Odell. We knew that when he played for LSU. You know what I mean? Like, I remember watching him in college and, like, man, who's that number three? Like, who was that guy on punt return? Like, my brother's an LSU fan, so I watched a lot of LSU games, and I was like, he's going to play on Sundays. Before I even knew – what he was really capable of. So he's always had it. And it's good to see him, you know, doing his thing again. And you got Jarvis, right? Uh, you got all these, you know, the running games is looking good. And, you know, Cleveland has a chance, right? As long as Baker Mayfield doesn't start, you know, um, believe in his own height and stuff. And, you know, he stays out of the media and stays focused. I think this team has a chance to, to make a playoff run. You know, it's going to be tough because they got to deal with the Steelers. You know what I mean? They, they have stuff to deal with up that way. But um, this is this is the season to me that I think that the Browns take that step in the right direction and, you know, make the playoffs, man. So so shouts out to the Browns. Keep doing your thing. Keep winning games, man. That's an interesting storyline for the NFL and for you guys' fan base because y'all have an awesome fan base. Like anytime you can uh, stick with a team through the through thick and thin and, you know, the losing seasons and just all the junk that comes with a, with a franchise that doesn't win a lot, you guys deserve this, and, and shouts out to the to the real Cleveland Brown fans, man. Shouts out to the dog pound, because we love y'all. Because let me tell you something. You put up with a lot of trash, a lot of trash. 
The one thing that I still have the jewelry still out on is Baker Mayfield. Now, I'm not a Baker hater. I'm not a Baker apologist. The one thing I like to see out of Baker is a little more efficiency because he's still only throwing for 61% of his passes. I think he needs to get that number up to about 66, somewhere in there, and that team will really take off because I think it will be critical to him and critical to the team going forward. Like you said, he has a murderer's role. He has Pittsburgh, and he has to play Baltimore, okay? So if you got those games on your schedule, third down efficiency is going to be super important. So if he can just find his hot read a little bit quicker or shuffle and then reset because he is a smaller quarterback and kind of dance around a little bit, I think they'll be a lot better off because um, that's the one flaw that I see with Cleveland. But the one thing I do like about them is that I really believe they finally have a coach that is a real grown-up. They finally got coaching that is has some structure to it. You see, I mean, here's the one thing about Odell, right? He's real sensitive. That's been the, his, the knock on Odell is that he's sensitive. We ain't heard word one from Odell Beckham Jr. this year. Not word one. He's been real quiet just doing his thing. So that's what you like to see. That is a key to success is that it looks like that organization finally got it right. And Cleveland, hey, see, I go further back than Coach T. I'm an old head. I remember Brian Sight. That's how far I go back. I remember the Cardiac Kids. That was a rocking town when Cleveland football is good. So I look forward to that. I look forward to the rest of the season and seeing how Baker fares against the Pittsburghs and the Baltimores of the world. Cleveland, y'all got a chance to be special, man. Go after it. Stay focused, stay humble, and, and you know, have some fun this season, man. Because when your team makes the playoffs, those are some of the funnest, funnest years you'll, you'll have. It sucks when you know your team is bad. And y'all know that more than anybody. Y'all experience it. I experience it as a Panthers fan. So um, enjoy the moment. Be grateful. And uh, hopefully it ends with you guys, you know, making a, making a playoff run, man. So y'all, y'all, you know, Cleveland, y'all on top right now, man. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James didn't want a title, another one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the football team's doing good. You know, I got a lot of good stuff going on. I don't know if it's snowing yet in Cleveland yet. but uh, Oh, no, <laughs> not yet. But I think snowing. it's coming. It's it coming. Yet. So y'all on top, man. Y'all good. You feel me? So, yeah, enjoy it, man. I'm going to go ahead and do a special shout-out to Bill's Mafia, Buffalo. Yo, we ain't forgot about y'all, okay? Your quarterback looked nice, all right? He's doing his thing. Your defense looks pretty good as well. They got some chinks in the armor. I think they can be run on. But your quarterback is proving a lot of people wrong. If Baker was doing what Josh Allen is doing, they might still be undefeated. That's how good Josh Allen's been. So, Bills Mafia, we're showing you some love as well. We ain't forgot about you. We still, we still see you up there undefeated. Don't worry about it, bro. We got y'all. Well, Coach T, I want to finish it up with this. This is right in your wheelhouse. We are going to top it up a little bit about college basketball, baby. Are you ready?
go, man. Hey, I, look, hey, revenge season. LeBron ain't the only one that got revenge, had a revenge season on his mind. You know, I don't truly really believe in revenge. More like redemption. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's just talk That's about right. it in that way. Let's talk about redemption. You know, uh, the Tar Heels, bro, like, I've been I've been real quiet because like COVID nineteen saved saved us. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It saved a lot of people. Uh, you know, look, a lot of people got sick. A lot of people lost their lives. A lot of family members went through a lot of things this year, man. But COVID also had a lot of positive. Um, it, 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 a lot of positive things happened during COVID. You know, so and and are now still happening right now. And you know, the fact that the season was shut down, it, it helps us forget as Carolina fans about last year. You know, it, last year was terrible. Um, it just it just wasn't Carolina basketball. I haven't seen a season like that since uh, the post-Dean Smith era um, where we were kind of in, in limbo between, you know, um, before Roy Williams came and after Dean Smith left and after Bill Guthridge, you know, retired. Who, you know, he coached for a little bit after after Dean Smith. But I went to the NIT, you know, in the Daugherty, and, and, and that wasn't just uh, – that, that's a year we'll never forget. We're just not used to that, you know? So um, that last year was that type of season with the exception of having an elite level guard on the team that didn't really play the whole season because he was hurt. But this year, this recruiting class, low key, we've been doing our look, Roy Williams, this is why he's one of the best. And he knows what he needs and he went after it. Like everybody was, everybody focuses on the five-star players. I get it. Like, but, from a person um, in myself that's just a hoop junkie and I watch these high school kids, you know, I try not to get too much into the mixtapes. I like to watch real game film on these kids. Mm-hmm. Mixtapes make everybody look good. Um, right? Yeah, so. I've, never seen, I've never seen a mixtape where the dude gets blown by. I've never seen a dude get, have a pick set on him so hard where he falls to the ground and be looking like the dude who got knocked out on Fridays and stuff like that. I, I don't see that on the mixtape. Yeah, I don't see him, you know, having a turnover or a travel. But I've been seeing them dunks. <laughs> exactly. And that, and that stuff is misleading um, because, let's be clear, when you get to college basketball, when you get to the collegiate level, um, which I didn't play, but I'm, I'm a fan of the game. I'm a student of the game, right? I didn't play in college. But one thing I know is that, when you get there, everybody's fast, everybody can jump, everybody's strong. And if they're not there, they're working on getting there because there's guys getting paid a lot of money on the staff to make sure that you get there. So that loan is not going to separate you. What's going to separate you is your ability to actually produce on the floor, uh, whether you're coachable or not, whether you understand that, okay, I'm not a star, I, I have a role on this team and, and embrace it and play and, 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 you know, own your role. So when you get to college, you have to play within a system. It's not the NBA. You have to play within that coach's system. And one thing about Roy Williams, that his system has proven to be successful for a few different reasons. He knows what he needs. He needs a dynamic point guard. He needs a dynamic point guard. He needs a few bigs that he can use for a few different things, right? Um, we know that when Roy, when Roy Williams has a dynamic point guard, he, he, if he has a, a, a smooth wing that can shoot the three, play, play defense, do the things that he needs him to do, maybe not be a superstar, but, you know, be, be, a, be a wing player in Roy Williams' system. And a few big men, Roy Williams has proven that when, when, when he has those pieces, Carolina is, is set up to make a championship run. So when I look at this, this up-and-coming recruiting class, it's, it's hard to start 
you know, with the five, it's hard not to start with the five star recruits. And I'll I just make it quick with those guys. Like, well, hold on, before you yeah, get there, let me let me ask this question. Okay, because this really sets me up exactly where I want you to be. So, give me the player at North Carolina who is who intrigues you the most out of the incoming freshmen, and then which freshman do you believe is going to be that explosive guy for North Carolina? So give me your most intriguing prospect of the freshmen, incoming freshmen, and then give me the guy who you think, oh, no, that dude's a killer. All right. Wow. That's, that's an excellent question. So my most intriguing freshman is, is Caleb Love. Like, I, I, can't, I can't get away from Caleb Love, five-star recruit, point guard, dynamic. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dame Lillard. Like, if you watch his game, um, he has that killer in him. He's uh, He can shoot it. He can get to the basket. He's ultra competitive. I'm not really sure if he's a, def- a great defender or not, but in Roy Williams' system, that type of point guard will work. <laughs> he will work wonders. So I'm interested in uh, Caleb. Caleb Love is the most intriguing prospect to me. Uh, what, what was the second part of that question, uh, Vince? Which which uh which incoming freshman do you think will be the guy who will end up being okay? This he might actually be up for Wooden Award type situation. Do you have that guy in your incoming freshman class? Oh man, you know, I don't know if we have that guy per se because I've I've looked at all of them so much. I've done so much like film study on the guys that are coming in. But to me, Caleb Love again, just because of Roy Williams' system he has the potential to explode. Like, Roy Williams does wonders with point guards. When they get there, I mean, look at Kobe White. You know, one year at Carolina, the guy, you know, was a, was a, you know, a lottery pick. It happens. I mean, you go through all the point guards under Roy Williams, he just – it's just something about when he gets the guy that he wants, he's going to use them in that system, and it's just going to – man, it's going to make all the NBA scouts want him. So, Caleb Love, again, probably that's – he probably will be my answer again. But the guy, honestly, that I think about, is Deron Sharp. Like, I think about Deron Sharp, who's a, who's a center, who's coming in. I think he played with Mount Vernon, uh, same school that I believe Ben Simmons went to, a couple of other guys went to, like, big-name guys in the NBA. But he's a super athletic big man. And if you know anything about Carolina basketball, those type of guys work wonders, too. So if he can get in and he can buy into Roy Williams' system, because a lot of big men get up there and they have a tough time buying into Roy Williams' system because they think they're all world. But guess what Roy Williams does with freshman big men? They typically come off the bench. They typically typically come off the bench. I mean, Marvin Williams came off the bench but didn't stop him from being a number two pick in the draft. Um, You know, just just, you can go through a bunch of different guys, and, and, and Roy Williams used them in that role. A lot of guys don't like the fact that they come in as a five star recruit and they're being used as a sixth or seventh guy off the bench. They don't like it. So it's hard for, for that young guy who's still not mature because as young men, you know, as men, period, it takes us a long time to mature. But they tend to hold themselves back because of the role that they're being expected to play when they get to Carolina as a big man, as a freshman big man. So um, I'm interested to see how he reacts to Roy Williams' system. But I just think that his size, his athleticism, his body, he, has, he already has a, a grown man body. And, you know, if, if he can get up there and just buy in, and I think that he may be like the wild card for this Carolina team coming up this year.
All right, so you heard it here. Coach T says that Caleb Love, five-star guard, is probably his most intriguing guy, and Deron Sharp, the center, uh, is his guy who might have the chance to go ahead and explode. So do you feel that either one of these guys will be one and done, or are they a stick-around uh, type of player? Yeah, if I, if I had to choose right now, one and done, I think Caleb Love has one and done all over him if he comes up and he does just what Carolina point guards do, and that's get in that system up and down the floor. You're going to have the green light to score the basketball. You're, I mean, your skills are going to be on full display. So so if I was to pick a player to be one and done, it would be Caleb Love. Like, I'm putting a lot of pressure on Caleb Love right now, but that Carolina, we we – you know, we win with great point guards. So he's coming to Carolina and he understands the expectations. So you don't come there uh, not knowing what you're getting into. Like, I mean, we, we got to, we got to, you know, uh, in our history, you know, our, you know, of guards that we've had in Chapel Hill all the way back to field forward, man, point guards are what we breed at Carolina. So, you know, um, Caleb Love, man, he has the opportunity to be one and done. Now, if he goes out here and produces the way he should, you know, he'll, he'll definitely be there. But if he gets there and he doesn't, you know, hits a wall or something, he doesn't produce and ends up having to come back for a sophomore year, you know, I could see that happening too. Because these young guys are unpredictable. Coming from high school basketball to college basketball where you're playing against guys that have been working on their body that's, you know, they're grown men up there, you know. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it works. But I'm, I'm rooting for Caleb Love to be a superstar up there in Chapel Hill. All right, Chapel Hill, all in North Carolina. That is your UNC report from Coach T. You know he do it real big for Tar Heel Nation. Now, you know that I stay in the la-la, so I got to give, you know, that school over at Westwood some love. UCLA, you know, A-Clap, all that. We got one guy, okay, that they didn't have a huge recruiting class because Deshaun Nix ended up going to the G League. So, he was going to be the guy until the G League snatched him up. But they got another cat that they picked up, and he was like a top 100 recruit ESPN. Jalen Clark, he's a 6'5 combo guard out of Etiwanda, which is like down by like San Diego area. This dude is a man already. Like he's 6'5, like 200 pounds already. This is perfect Mick Cronin guard. Physical, like to D people up, get out on the break, and do it big. Like, this guy is going to fit perfectly into the UCLA system. And now that we got Chris Smith back, who didn't turn pro, so we got everybody back. So, Tiger Campbell's back. We got the kid from Kentucky. Jazang came over, and he's eligible to play his first year. So, that might be another outside shooter. Hakez, Jaime Hakez, who played his butt off last year. I'm excited about what he's going to go through from freshman year to sophomore year because that's going to be a big leap for him. And if he get a little more consistent outside shot out of him, it's going to be lights out because that, that team is going to be, for the first time in a while, going to have some upperclassmen that can help out the young cats. And I think that with what they did last year and then having that success towards the end of the year will breed them into, okay, now we can go out here and challenge the good boys and we can see what we're made of early this year. I don't think they'll be embarrassed like they were last year. I think this is a team that, like, 
if you're playing UCLA early and you haven't um, put your big boy pants on yet, you might get embarrassed because that team last year at the end of the year, they were probably playing the best defense of anybody that I was watching in the, in the country, and that includes Michigan State. And Michigan State is a good defensive team. Shouts out to UCLA, man. I think anytime you can get a player from Kentucky, uh, you get out of – I mean, Cal's track record is what it is, bro. So, for whatever reason, he left Kentucky, I don't know. But if, if he was good enough to go there, then you got to believe the guy has something in his bag. I, I looked him up. I mean, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. So, that's, that's amazing in itself. I try not to get too caught up in the stars, man, because I've seen five stars get to college and not you end up being nothing. You've seen three star guys turn into something. You've seen a guy that wasn't even recruited his, you know, junior year turn into like an ultra superstar, like a senior. So everybody's progression is different. Like the guys, you know, um, hit their ceiling at different times and some guys just continue that ascension, you know? So, um, I would say definitely be excited about the guy from Kentucky. Definitely be excited about your incoming freshman that you named uh, the first, the first kid. Uh, you said Jalen. Jalen Clark. Yeah, Jalen Clark. I, I looked him. I was looking him up over here while you were saying that. But yeah, man. I mean, and I mean, it's, it's UCLA, man. They got something to play for, man. There's a tradition there. You know, certain schools you go to, man. I, I would, I would, you know, if I was a high school kid, I would feel like. And I, I got to go here and do my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all about what's on your chest. You know what I mean? In Chapel Hills, that UNC. It's a lot that comes with that. UCLA, it's a lot that comes with that too, man. Like, there's a lot of great players that come from UCLA. So, you, you got you to gotta get out there and do your thing, man. You, 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 can't, you can't let people down, man, for sure. And finally, um, the coach, uh, Coach Cronin, is that type of guy. Like, he cares about the four letters on the chest. That was, he was a big – that was his big proponent last year is that he said, we do not play for the name on the back. We play for the four letters on the chest, and this is, you know – this is, these are the things you got to do to get time on the floor to have those four letters on your chest. Oh, man, he went through this whole thing. And I was super – I was out on him early when they hired him. But when I, when I heard the interviews and I heard what he was about, and I had seen him from afar at the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, I've seen it. But until you get it close and you get to hear him, you know, every week, and what his style is and what he preaches. And, and shout out to him for putting his star player on the bench early in the year last year. And that kid uh, grew, Chris Smith grew, and he was their best player at the end of the year. And he was giving max effort. And that's coaching, man. And that's what you want, right? You're you building, you building uh, kids into young men and to be – responsible adults and he said hey man your habits your practice habits aren't aren't good they're not up to par and you need to be better than that if you want to help lead this team and shouts out to uh to coach Cronin at UCLA because he did have I mean it was his first year man you know usually trying to get the dudes on your side but he hey he said I'm gonna go out my way so I got a lot of I got a lot of love for him for doing that. So it should be a real interesting season, very much so. And they are still saying, Coach T, that November 25th is the start of college basketball season. Now, with the, the advent of COVID-19 and how it's progressing in this country, 
Do you see that as a viable option November 25th without a bubble? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Expect the unexpected. After, after seeing the NBA pull it off the way they did, I think that's the, uh, you know, they definitely started something there. You know, they showed that within a contained environment that they're able to um, play basketball games without guys getting sick or, or staff members getting sick and things like that. Uh, just a controlled environment. So I don't know. These, these schools, these conferences have the money to do it. If if I was, you know, on, on the board or where, whatever, whatever person makes that decision, I would be an advocate for it. You know, I, I would be trying to make that happen just so these kids don't get sick, even if it involves fans not being there, but we still get to, you know, allow those kids to play and compete and, you know, chase their dreams because that's ultimately what they're there for. But uh, if, if they're playing with fans in the stands, then we're going to start seeing things like we're seeing now in the NFL, which is, you know, certain certain teams deciding to let fans be there certain teams not, and then you're seeing small outbreaks here and there. Uh, I, I don't want to see that happen, but mm-hmm. you, you can't be naive to the fact that it's going to happen if, if you have a bunch of people in one place. Like, we just they just had a, a guy from Atlanta test positive for COVID, and, you know, he was on the defensive line. I think the, he's, a, he's a rookie. That was the kid's name, defensive tackle. But now, because of that, the Panthers are going to have to have players a bunch of those defensive linemen tested for COVID. And this is our first time having to really deal with it. We've done a pretty good job and not having, you know, uh, any COVID related issues on the team for the most part, but it's happening everywhere. And it's going to, you know, if you can't control the environment, you're only going to add to the risk. So I would love to believe that this season would go off without any, any, um, any issues, but you got to expect that something's going to happen. Something's going to, just like college football, you're going to have games that, are scheduled that aren't going to going to you know get played like right. like right now in the NFL is the reason why tonight we're having a Tuesday night football game right now because because of that <laughs> it's just you know it, you expect the unexpected man you know as long as covid is is lingering and, and still um you know people are getting sick and things like that with that being said this week's QP sports exchange is now closed coach T I want you to have a great week people out there Please be good, be kind to others, look out for your neighbors, and also keep in mind, voting is coming up. Vote, you know, you can't, you can't complain if you don't vote. If you don't vote, and whoever gets in office can't complain if you didn't vote. So stay up on that, and just be kind to one another. Cuffsy, you got any words for the people? If you haven't already, man, definitely tap in to QP Sports Exchange, man. Every week, man, we're doing something, you know, that that that's different than what you guys are used to, man. You got two guys coming on here. We're talking about sports. We're being honest. We're, we're uh, following up with anything that we uh, predicted, you know, and, and I, we're keeping it fun, man. We're keeping it fresh, man. You, you know, it's from the West Coast to the East Coast, man. So, guys, tap in, show us some love, get on social media, repost, comment, you know, uh, Facebook, you got Instagram, you got Twitter, man. So we're there. Uh, we're everywhere. So uh, we're growing, man. Tap in, man. But Vince, man, as always, man, it's been a pleasure tonight, man. Uh, can't wait till next week, brother. All right, my man. With that, we are out. You guys have a good one. Peace.